What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It is the mailbag edition following a big Chiefs victory in the AFC West against the Oakland Raiders. They moved to 8-4. and four. They're going to be playing the New England Patriots. We'll preview that game later because we got plenty to talk about today. You guys have plenty of questions here to help me answer those questions. First, find them on Twitter, at Chief in Carolina. Matthew Lane, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving, my friend. I did. It was a blast. I watched a lot of college football. I tweeted about a lot of college football. I yes, you was did. promised another draft show, and it didn't happen tonight, so now I'm sad. <laughs> But we are also joined by our good pal, Craig Stout. Find him on Twitter at Barley Hop. How was your Thanksgiving holidays, buddy? I hope you did not drink all of the beer you have made over the past year. I did not. I I stayed good. I had a great time with family and friends. And I got to watch our beloved Chiefs beat the tar out of the Raiders. Did you guys know that they scored five touchdowns? They scored five touchdowns. You know what that means. Y'all should give us a five-star <laughs> review for coming here and listening to you. We love y'all. We love the questions that you give in the five-star reviews. Let's get those going again. It's been a little while since we asked for them. So our our guys at SB Nation, they, they really like those. That, that, that looks really good for us when we get lots of five-star reviews. So uh, – Please rate and review us. Uh, we'll love you very dearly for that. Drop us a five-star review for the Chiefs scoring five touchdowns. We we earned it. Uh, speaking of some five-star reviews, I wanted to read a few to to you guys. Normally, we'll, we'll, we try to answer questions when you leave a five-star review. These aren't really questions, but just thought I'd read a couple of these. Hey, I'm a fan in Munich, Germany. Almost every weekend, I see Brennan Scarlett make sacks and plays for the Texans. Kudos to whoever it was from you guys, the one of you who thought Spags would bring him in. He's decent. Keep up the keep it up in best regards, Julian. Craig, congratulations. He's, he's better than decent. He should be our Sam. We should have made a move to try and acquire the man. They RFA tendered him and paid him, so he will not be getting out of Houston anytime soon. Defense full of Sam's. Yeah, but that's hey, that's our defense now. Uh, so shout out to Julian there. Uh, another one. Uh, how much will you guys be praising the grounds crew of Arrowhead Stadium after the game against the Raiders? I believe we will value and appreciate having a top-notch ground crew after seeing Patrick Levon Mahomes drive the Ferrari, which he defines as a fully healthy Chiefs offense on the Autobahn, which is Arrowhead. Uh, vice the gravel parking lot, Estadio Azteca. <laughs> as we saw the versus the Chargers. Love the content, fellas. Being an active-duty Marine, the podcast keep me updated with everything. Chiefs from Japan to California to Korea and now Georgia. Your work is truly appreciated. That's from Mick Kirku0511. Well, let me just tell you, your work is truly appreciated. Thank you so much for what you do for this country. I We all appreciate you and your service. Find me if you email us at apnerdsquad uh, at gmail.com or find us on Twitter. Uh, let's hook you up with a free 2020 draft guide. Thank you for your service. Okay, Ooh. speaking of apnerdsquad at gmail.com, uh, we had a Gmail question and we'll start there. Uh, apnerdsquad at gmail.com if you want to uh, ask a question. Hey, guys. It's about time we get a little dose of Darwin after finally seeing him in a game. What do you think are the chances 
he continues to see consistent carries, and if he can continue to be good, does that eliminate the need for drafting a running back next April? I've already seen some mocks with the Chiefs drafting one. I'm guessing those are done by people not in the know like you. Thanks for the great posts. Keep it up. Andy from Pennsylvania. Andy, if the Chiefs draft a running back before day three, I am going to lose my mind. There are very few running backs, even on day two, I'd be particularly happy with. Running backs don't matter. This team has so many more issues beyond the running back position. Like, I don't know, an offensive line to block for whatever running backs they put behind them. Or an offensive line to protect Patrick LeVon Mahomes. Or a cornerback or a linebacker. Or basically every other position except running back. Uh, I don't think that they should take a running back before day three. And if they do, I'm probably going to be irritated. I mean, I think Darwin Thompson looked good. I think it was good to see Day him get three. out there. I think it was good to see him get out there and get some run. I think Andy Reid came out and talked about it, how they wanted to see him get some more reps, see how he handled it. And he looked good. We have to take it in stride, though. He still averaged four yards per carry when the Raiders were pretty much defeated and the Chiefs were doing whatever they wanted to. So, yeah, he's going to get more carries as the season goes on, especially if Daryl Williams is a little bit hurt especially if Damian Williams isn't ready to come back. Like, there's going to be reps for him to be had. I don't know if there's much that he's going to be able to do in such a short time to make the Chiefs feel comfortable with him being a running back 1A or B going into next year, but he's definitely going to factor in the rest of this year, and as long as he keeps playing well, he'll continue to factor in beyond just this year. But I'm also with Kent. Don't take a running back in the first two days of the draft. It's just not worth it. I mean, if you look at 2020, LaShawn McCoy is not under contract. We've talked about how you can cut Damian Williams and save quite a bit of money on a running back. That would leave you with Darwin Thompson and Darrell Williams. That's not exactly an inspiring group. I do think that if they trust Darwin, that they could wait to take one in the draft. Like these guys are saying here, I agree with that. But I do think that... Andy likes some veteran running back presence in that room. I think that room's pretty young with Daryl and Darwin, so I would expect them to add a guy, and I don't necessarily know if it will be in the draft unless they're trying to look for a feature back. But again, you're spending a high draft pick on that when there are many other needs in that uh, in that team. Carlos Hyde? Hey. No, they tried that. You know what? They got a lot out of Carlos side. They got three years of Martinez Rankins, so you guys can just deal with that. I, they're gonna add a they're gonna add a veteran running back. They've always been pretty good about finding good value at the running back position. It's not gonna be a problem. I'm not stressed about it at all. Okay, we got some questions from Twitter. A couple twi- quick ones, and then we're gonna kind of do a defense offense breakdown. But Alex Coleman asks me to rank my top five Hollow Notes songs. Uh, I'm a big Hall of Notes fan. Me and Matt Derrick are going to be uh, making a uh, a podcast in the near future. I prefer Quaker oatmeal, but that's no. cool too. Different kind of oats. But okay. I can't go for Matt with Derrick and Swanson. We're, it's going to be hitting the airwaves soon. Uh, I we're it's yeah we're we're going to be doing a little little podcast. I think Cody Tap might get involved too. It's going to be great. Uh, let me rank those. The, let me rank them real quick for you. I can't go for that. Private Eyes, uh, Kiss is on my list, Sarah Smile, and Rich Girl. A bonus one, I can't go for that on the live from Daryl's house. Daryl Hall does the show where he brings bands in and they play Hall Notes songs and then he plays their songs with him. It's awesome. There's one with Mayor Hawthorne. It's dope. 
Go find it on YouTube if you can. If you like Hollow Notes, you'll love that. It's awesome. Okay. Are these uh, Hallmark Christmas movies? Huh? Are these sound like titles of Hallmark Christmas movies. No, but don't get <laughs> okay. me started. If you want to see a rant, I'll, Hallmark Christmas no, movies. No, no, stop. Okay, Let's moving go. on. Moving on. <laughs> Mr. C. David. You should get the Hallmark movie app. It's really well done. <sighs> okay. All right. You're, are you, I, my blood is boiling. Mr. C. David. Uh, would it not be the most Chiefs thing ever for us to pull off the upset next week only to lose to the Pats again in January? That is the most Kansas City thing I have ever heard, and I appreciate the level of Kansas City-ness that that whole tweet entailed. I just had to appreciate it real quick. Okay, what we're going to do th- what we're gonna do today is we're going to talk about the defensive side of the ball with the questions that we got, um, and then we're going to kind of talk about the offense because there's a lot we kind of want to deconstruct with the offense because there's a lot of moving pieces and parts with that. Unfortunately, when it, from a shift in motions perspective, there's not a lot of moving pieces and parts right now. But that's for later. Uh, let's talk about the defense first because Craig needs to have his day. He deserves it. Arrowhead Focus asks, Do you guys think the defense is for real, like all the hype? Personally, I want to see more, especially against the Pats. Wondering how you guys view it. I... Uh- I do want to see more against the Pats. Yes, Phillip Rivers and Derek Carr were not exactly shining beacons of quarterback play to a judge against. David Carr Uh, said that Derek Carr was an MVP candidate. I'm confused. Sorry. David Carr might be a little biased on that one. Um, Why? I do want to see better. I want to see more. Uh, Tom Brady and the New England Patriots offense isn't exactly something to write home about. Brady hasn't been particularly good. Their rush offense has been bad. We'll get to that later in the week. But that being said, they executed a much higher level. The Chiefs have been taking advantage of mistakes from these other quarterbacks, from other teams, and they've been capitalizing on them. That's what you do to bad teams. I've been hearing this a lot because people don't seem to like the fact that the Chiefs defense has been beating up on bad quarterbacks, beating up on bad teams, taking advantage of these mistakes. Guys, that's what good teams do. We were we spent the first half of the season talking about how the Patriots might have the best defense in the history of everything, and they were just playing bad teams, but they were beating up on them. So it's good to do this. It gets you in a groove. It gets some things right, particularly late here in the year. You want to be surging with momentum. This was good to see. I think that it's real. We've seen it multiple weeks in a row now. I I would like to see it against the Patriots, a team that executes typically better than everybody else. If it happens then, I'm going to start believing for real. I'm not sure the Patriots scare me. I think the way Tom Brady and the Patriots offense are playing, this game should very much just be chalked up to more playing a bad offense, just like these last few games have been. I don't think they've been any better than the Chargers or the Raiders, definitely not the Ryan Tannehill-led <laughs> Super Bowl-bound Tennessee Titans. <laughs> so this is another game that the Chiefs defense should look pretty good in. I do think out of all the teams we faced, the Patriots are probably the one team that will gear down, bite the bullet, and really just try to run, run, run. That seems like something they would do in this situation. But it's not as if the Raiders didn't try that. And the issue is as soon as you have one negative run play, it's really hard to go back to run, run, run when you're faced in a long down and distance. So the Chiefs defense should continue this trend. 
And I think what you're seeing is the team's getting healthier. The players are getting more comfortable with each other and Steve Spagnuolo's system. And you're starting to get these plays where it looks like the Chiefs defense is actively out ahead of the opposing offense. They're not just reacting anymore. They're not playing catch up like they've been in the years past. They're out ahead of them. They seem to know what's coming. They pick up on trends. They pick up on tendencies a lot better than they have in the past. Steve Spagnuolo is putting his playmakers into better positions to make these plays. And it's really starting to work out. I think for a little over half a year's worth of work right now, you've seen the defense come a long way. And I don't know why you wouldn't be excited to see how that continues the rest of this year and going into next year. The one thing about, um, you know, this, this next game is like, I don't, I don't, I think I, I'll just be flat out and I don't want to get too far ahead of us. Um, I, I'm worried about, um, the James White and Julian Edelman being really bad matchups for this defense because I don't think I really am excited because about they seeing, are because yeah. they are and so like I I don't want to like lean too much on on the results of this potential Patriots game to say what I what I think about this team moving forward I think it could be a really bad matchup for these two I think this could very easily be a get right game for the Patriots but I don't think it needs to take away from what we've seen from this defense either. You know, so like, don't be surprised if the Patriots look a lot better this week than than they did against the Texans because I'm banking on that for a lot of different reasons. One being the Patriots are a well-coached team and they're going to try to adjust. And two, I don't think those two guys, like the two best players and the two most fearful players uh, for the Patriots are guys that, that, that can be taken advantage of or that can take advantage of the Chiefs. So it's, it's kind of a weird dynamic there. I still feel good about what this team is doing. Kay Gumminger asks is this the brendan daly revenge game yeah it is i don't know i don't know for sure but one thing i am kind of curious to see is if brendan daly's influence both you know with this team on the defensive side of the ball but also if if he was able to kind of help pat through some stuff and give him an idea of what they were trying to take away from him what they were trying to do with him up front with some of the pressures and some of those stuff if that kind of if that kind of stuff kind of creeps in a little bit um because I wouldn't be surprised if, if Daly's able to kind of help them get an idea of some of the things up front that they might try to do. He certainly hasn't helped the offensive line pick up stunts. No. <laughs> Not- I mean, and that's no that's no shot, Daly. This is we're gonna get there later, but just he Ugh. came from a defense that used a lot of stunts to beat the Chiefs offensive line. They look equally as poor, if not worse, this year trying to pick them up. So I Yeah. Yeah. One loss talk that. One loss wizard, Chris Jones, should or shouldn't play the t- defensive tackle on running downs, Craig? Shouldn't. Uh, watch the Raiders game. Watch where they targeted their runs, especially early in the game with Josh Jacobs, running at Alex Okafor and Chris Jones. Chris Jones just is not stout at the point of attack. He never has been. Uh, that was... Something that was coming out of college. If he doesn't beat his man and gain penetration and blow up the run, which happens often enough to where he's still enough of a reward player with him on the field as a defensive tackle, if he does not do that, chances are good that he's going to get completely washed out of the play and leave the gap wide open, or he'll be in another gap, or something like that. It's just... He's a better run defensive end, even though he's not a particularly great run defensive end either. It's just 
the things that they're asking him to do and the way that they're asking him to anchor against specific gaps, he's just not able to do it as well. He's got to beat his guy immediately or it's it's kind of all for naught a little bit. I, mean, I think everybody knows that Chris Jones isn't the most stout run defender and you kind of live with it because he makes splash plays. The issue is, like Craig's saying here, the Raiders, their part of their plan was to run right at Chris Jones. Other teams have done it in the past, and they just it has kind of been swept under the rug in Kansas City because Chris Jones is such a good pass rusher because he will make that splashy play versus the run. And like I said earlier, you have one negative run, you're going to run at Chris Jones all you want. But if you have that one negative run because he swims out of his gap over his blocker and gets back and makes a tackle, that's that play matters a lot. When it's a negative run, you can't keep running the ball then. So you kind of live with it, but there's times, this game was one of them, if the Raiders hadn't had so many mistakes early on from Derek Carr's iffy quarterback play, they would have continued to run right at Chris Jones, and it would be a lot harder for the Chiefs to stay on top of them defensively if the ball's going to keep being run at two guys that aren't playing the run very well. Yeah, Chris Jones, when your team is ahead, can be a lot of fun. Well, there's there's moments and there's spurts. Arguably there's- the best player on the field. Yes. I, I think that's entirely fair. Yeah. I really do. I think that's entirely fair. But if we want to be blind and pretend that there's not inconsistencies in his run defense, then, I mean, by all means, but you're, you're wrong. Uh, vitamin J. You know what? I've missed asking a question on the last three AP labs, and that's on me. I'll take responsibility for that. I've got to tighten that up and get that. And at the end of the day, I got to do better job. Great job. Great job, Vitamin J. My question for this week is, can you explain why multiple times a game it seems like Frank Clark takes himself out of a play by flying upfield trying to blow past the tackle? I'm guessing we're talking about as a pass rush play here, and he's getting too far up the arc and unable to affect the play. And unfortunately, I've seen more of that this year from Frank Clark, even just about any single game than I saw all last year for the Seattle Seahawks. I think part of it's still the injury. He is trying to work around offensive tackles rather than through them because he's having a hard time. It's, he feels uncomfortable. It hurts him to play with as much power as he has in the past. I think you saw him come back from his time off. He looked not only better from a production standpoint, but he looked entirely better just in the way he played. He resembled the old Frank Clark in terms of his style of play a little bit more. This week, I thought from the get-go, he was trying to go around Colton Miller rather than through him. I don't think that's Frank Clark's game. And you come find out after the game or during the game, he left and didn't return. He only played about 55% of the Chiefs offensive snaps. I don't think that's Frank Clark's game. I think he has the speed. He has the explosion to do that every now and then. We've seen him do it. I don't think that's his bread and butter, though. And I really think his injury, even if he plays better, even when he was playing better last week or against the Chargers, his bread and butter is never going to be that speed rush. I just think his injury is keeping him from doing what he does best at this point in time. Yeah, it's almost like his speed rush is his counter to his power rush. It it really is more of a setup. You know, got a guy setting inside trying to, you know, eat up his power rush a little bit. Instead, this year, it's been more climb the arc and then try and counter with a spin so you either beat him up the arc or you beat him back inside. He's not really had enough success with either one of those. The injury's definitely weighing on him. But 
He's also not been particularly good at it either, even you know, injury aside. He hasn't done well enough with his speed rush, so that's probably what you're seeing. It does leave some areas for guys to climb into the climb up into the pocket, find room to move outside of the pocket because Frank's getting so far up the arc. We used to see this all the time with Tom Bahali D Ford as well. You know, you just have tackles kind of ride them out, ride them up the arc and just leave these giant gaps underneath for, you know, quarterbacks to step up and step out of the pocket free. I was really surprised to see him getting run up the arc so much as much talking as he was doing before the game. Like I, I it just kind of seemed yeah, like it, we were, it did. It was surprising because and like like I'm I'm as big of Frank Frank Clark supporter as Anyone in Kansas City, I've stood by him. I think we've all kind of stood by him throughout this whole, you know, season. But, I mean, I was really expecting him to put it on on Colton Miller based on some of the things he said. But it was just like the same old, same old. And he mm-hmm. was getting run up the arc and down the field yep. 15, 15 yards, you know, out of the play. I'm just like, okay, well. Yeah. Col- really- Colton Miller won the matchups. This he did. Time. He did. Yeah. Uh, and Russell 2018 will Pennell strike the fear of God into Brady so much that Brady retires at the halftime MV Pennell hashtag MV Pennell had to creep that in there. I just like the question. Uh, and anytime we can talk about the, uh, the league MVP, not just, not just team MVP, league MVP, Mike Pennell. We have to AC rocker. We need to break down what Spags was doing with Fuller, please. I saw him at safety. I assume that means that Fenton, will be our cornerback three the rest of the way. I mean, depending injury, I don't know. What do you think, Greg? Uh, a lot of people notice this, which, by the way, you guys are awesome. Great for you for going out and noticing that Kendall Fuller was playing a little bit of safety. That's awesome to get all those questions. P. Flum was another guy who asked one. Kendall Fuller did play some safety. Kendall Fuller also still played plenty of slot. And there at the end of the game, Kendall Fuller was playing boundary corner. Kendall Fuller ended up playing safety in a cover two, and we've talked a lot about that slot drop cover two that we've seen Spagnuolo use a lot. He didn't even try and have Kendall Fuller really shading the slot as much this week. He just put him back there and allowed Tyron Matthew to play up in the slot. In the nickel, Steve Spagnuolo is bringing on Dan Sorensen and leaving Tyron Matthew as the slot cornerback. Right now... Rashad Fenton is not cornerback three. I mean, technically he is by name alone, but uh, Tyron Matthew is the guy who is your nickel slot corner, and he just brings in another safety to play that. That's because both the linebackers are terrible in coverage, and he doesn't trust Rashad Fenton to be as good of a coverage defender as he trusts Tyron Matthew. Now, that may make sense, you know, with all that. We expected Kendall Fuller to come back this week and kind of gain some of those snaps back, be able to take hold of that and move Matthew back to safety. That was not the case. Now, Kendall Fuller did play some safety, but Kendall Fuller only entered the game after Rashad Fenton hurt his hamstring. If Rashad Fenton was healthy, Rashad Fenton doesn't get hurt. Guys, I'm not convinced that we see Kendall Fuller until garbage time at the end of this game. I think Kendall Fuller has been completely demoted. Rashad Fenton was the guy to come in in the dime and play slot opposite of Tyron Matthew. That's what happened there. So they promoted Fenton, and it's not like Kendall Fuller's sitting here getting full-time reps at safety. Kendall Fuller was only in there because of Fenton. So I I would not expect not only that Kendall Fuller's not going to be here next year, 
I wouldn't expect to see him as long as Rashad Fenton is healthy. Don't think I have a whole lot here to add besides the fact that I think Chiefs fans as a whole jumped the Kendall Fuller train a little too early. I think we're starting to see a little bit more of what this it coaching staff generally thinks of Kendall Fuller and what they've seen from him. From the words that they've used in press conferences to talking about needing a nickel corner, another nickel cornerback going forward, so on and so forth. Mm. I just don't. Minka Fitzpatrick. I simply just don't think Shut they're up, that high on Kendall Fuller. I think the fact that he came in, and granted, maybe he's working his way back in, but the fact that the Chiefs were willing to give Kendall Fuller. Now, I my one thought there would be Kendall Fuller is a better tackler. He is a better run defender than Rashad Fenton is, so I don't. Maybe. For some reason, they felt more comfortable. I, I don't know. That actually makes no sense. You'd think he'd start then. So I don't even know where I'm going with this. Moral of the story, Kittle Fuller, not that good. Chiefs don't seem to think he's that good. Moving on from him going to the next year. Spags is done with him, guys. Hey, he's not using that corner. Yeah. If they had a good slot corner, Tyron Matthew would be playing safety. Tyron Matthew would be playing where Dan is right now. And Dan wouldn't be seeing the field. One thing I wanted to do real quick, because we didn't really have a window to do it yet, but we got to talk about our guy, Juan Thornhill. Woo. Top 50 player in the KC Draft Guide. Uh, Maddie, how about a career game from a Juan Thornhill? Look, it was bound to happen. The guy was a playmaker in Virginia. You may not have liked everything he did if you were watching everything. He wasn't the best corner. As a safety, he kind of had some shoestring tackles, maybe over-aggressive angles. But at the end of the day, he was a playmaker. He had every bit of raw physical ability that you want to see out of a player. And then he translated that into big-time plays. This defense desperately needs some more big-time players to you know make game-changing plays next to Tyron Matthew. You got both safeties making one in this game. It was a fantastic read and close for Juan Thornhill to pick that ball off, get the interception. He made the fourth down stop once he got bumped out and took that outside angle. He had a good game. I expect him to keep playing better. He's a rookie. He's aggressive. He'll still take his lumps, but I think you're kind of starting to see him turn the corner a little bit these last couple games. Yeah, I I liked everything that I saw, for the most part, by Juan Thornhill. There at the end of the game, he did get beat for the touchdown, but I, again, Derek Carr and that offense drove down on the backups there. Juan's read of, of that play was fantastic. Uh, Derek Carr... Did not expect for Juan to collapse on that route. He did really well staying patient with his feet, not gaining any depth, really reading the route distribution and breaking before the ball was even thrown. He was all over that route. Derek Carr shouldn't have thrown it, did anyway. That's what you do. You make bad quarterbacks pay. He made him pay. That fourth down stop was great. Raglan kind of strung it along a little bit, and Juan Thornhill was able to come up and make that play. That's the type of play that you get to see him make running downhill. And he's rangy enough on the back end. We've seen him kind of cover up some mistakes, take some stuff away. When you see quarterbacks holding on to the ball as long as they are, when all of these routes are vertical over the top, that means that Juan Thornhill and the safeties are generally doing a pretty good job when you're just watching the broadcast view. And he is. It's showing up that way on all 22 as well. It's very positive to see a Brett Veach draft pick make this kind of impact. And honestly, guys, the 2019 draft class in this one game made more impact plays, I think, than the entire 2018 draft class did last year in a whole. 
I think you're right too. I mean, I I do. I flat out do. Uh, Fenton and they didn't even get anything from McCole Hardman this week, right? Who had been an impact player. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I you see, I think you're starting to see things kind of click with Juan Thornhill. He's really he's he's clicking on stuff. He's closing on stuff. Really, at a high level, he's getting through down downhill on some plays. And you've seen it the last couple of weeks. That play down in the red zone against the Chargers, uh, the fourth and one uh, on the end around. And then obviously, you know, driving down on on that interception, that pick six. I'm so happy for Juan Thornhill. I'm a, I'm a big fan of his work, and it's really cool to see him kind of starting to to pick things up. We're going to talk about the offense right after this. Okay, time to talk about the offense, and we've got a lot of questions. But I think all of the questions that we got kind of really help us get through the stuff that we really want to talk about with with regard to um, the offense today. Um, the first question from Chief Boyardg: Can we replicate the performance against the Pats this week or any team in the playoffs? Or are the Raiders just that bad? So I wanted to kind of answer this question. To just I wanted to use this as means to kind of just talk about most of the offense. Because the defense, if they continue to play at that level, yeah, it's going to help. Yes, the, the Raiders were bad. That offensive performance, I think, this week will not beat the Patriots next week. It was not good enough. There is a lot of reasons that we will get to um, down the list here. Um, I I don't think I, I did not come away from that offensive performance optimistic about this group. I think there's still a lot that they're trying to figure out, and there's a lot of things to be concerned about. So. I don't think overall that performance is enough for them to win in the playoffs. The defense certainly did their job. The offense has to be better if they're going to, you know, win out the rest of the season and 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 make a run in the playoffs. I mean, I think the overall production of the offense is going to be enough to beat the Patriots. I mean, I think if you get 31 offensive points, you're going to be able to beat the Patriots. Their offense is not going to score that much. But the issue is the Chiefs offense wasn't explosive. It lacked rhythm. It was like a herky-jerk drive down the field every time they scored it. They had multiple scoring drives. Not all of them were the longest. I think most of them were kind of in that like 40 to 60-yard type drives. But it wasn't in rhythm. It didn't look clean. It didn't look crisp. It was a herky-jerk drive down the field that was sewn together by awful Raiders penalties that I'm not saying weren't deserved, but it seemed like the Chiefs were bailed out more than once on third-down penalties by the Raiders. It just... It didn't look good, and we're about to kind of go through all that right now. But yeah, you can't have an unexplosive and a non-rhythm clicking offense like the Chiefs had against the Raiders and expect to put up 31 points again. Not even just against the Patriots, just against most teams in the NFL. I will say, just because I agree with these guys, the one thing that I will say, I I feel like the Raiders defensive line, that's that's a good defensive line. Hurst, Hankins, Max Crosby played really well. I, I don't know that they're going to see that every week, so maybe the offensive line looks a little bit better, but everything was disorganized. Everything looked kind of shady, but I do think that the Raiders were able to disrupt things up front a little more than we've seen uh, this year out of some teams. Brandon Sosna says, It's all about Darwin. Rushing has been an issue with the offense all year. He can be the cog to get the Chiefs close to the historical highs of last year. Um, I think if you've listened to this show or if you've listened to the draft pod, I mean, we talked about Darwin Thompson before he was even a Kansas City Chief. 
we like Darwin Thompson. We are Darwin Thompson fans. We are OGs in the Darwin Thompson bandwagon. I think, I think we've jumped. Uh, put. I think we've just we've we've gotten a little too hyped about Darwin Thompson here. Um, in the fourth quarter, in a game that is a blowout, in a game where the Raiders kind of quit, Darwin did some really good things. And I am I, I. This is not me trying to dunk on Darwin Thompson. I want to see Darwin Thompson get some impactful plays or some opportunities in impactful plays. I am all aboard giving him some opportunities here. Please do, because I like Darwin Thompson. I believe Darwin Thompson. I don't think we should use four yards per carry on 11 carries as means in the fourth quarter as means to say that our problems are solved here at the running back position or that everything is, is, is fixed, because it's not. And I want let, let's let Darwin Thompson develop. Let him get some opportunities in a little bit more high leverage situation against a team that is you know in in in, in plays that matter. Let's by all means they should try to integrate him a little bit more and see what happens. But let's just temper expectations a little bit with Darwin, even though he definitely did some good things, and I am excited about him moving forward. I mean, kind of talked about it a little bit at the top. Darwin Thompson still only averaged four yards per carry. And yes, the Raiders knew the Chiefs were running, but the Chiefs offensive line all of a sudden learned how to run block. It's not like Darwin Thompson didn't have some gaps and holes to run through. He did a good job finding them, but the Chiefs offensive line was finally giving up some holes. The Raiders defense looked like they were beat. Yes, they were playing the run, but they did not look like the same defense that was playing against the run earlier in the game. I want to see more Darwin Thompson. I think he's earned that. But I'm with Kent. I'm not ready to sit here and say he's definitely going to be a game changer going forward. I like the way he runs. I think he's not very patient. He needs a gap to appear. He needs to see it already there before he's going to take it. So that puts him behind sometimes. He just has the lateral agility and the explosion to still get through it. So I'm excited for him. I'm glad he's getting more run. I would take him over Damian Williams in terms of getting any touches in the game. I don't need Damian Williams touches. They do nothing for me. I'd rather Darwin take all them. But I don't think that any running back is what's stopping this offense from being what it was last year. I I think we forget. You know, Darrell Williams went out hurt, and Darwin Thompson got all of those reps. And that's good. Darwin Thompson needs those reps. I think we forget that LaShawn McCoy was healthy. Andy Reid has maybe somewhat inexplicably like put LaShawn McCoy on ice after a little bit. Like he's on a pitch count, very clearly on a pitch count so far this season. He's an actor. They, he's an actor that just like makes a, a cameo appearance here or there on a movie. Yeah, like, <laughs> and he's still the guy that's starting. He's still the guy that's getting the majority of the early work with this offense. I think you should still expect to see that. This might be a week. If if Daryl Williams and Damian Williams can't go, Darwin Thompson is going to see touches, but I think this is the type of week where all of a sudden you see Shady McCoy get 75% of the snaps. He's not going away. Andy Reid, even though he has fumble problems, does seem to trust him as the lead back, but they're definitely giving him 
you know, they've got him on a pitch count, of course. So I, I think that we need to remember that and that Darwin, even though we're all excited about him, we want to see him on the field. Shady McCoy is still going to be the number one back in this offense. They asked, uh, they asked Andy Reid about LaShawn McCoy and Darwin Thompson playing over LaShawn McCoy in the fourth and asked if it was like load management for LaShawn McCoy. And Andy was like, well, it is load management. It's load management for Darwin. I wanted to see him play. And, and like, believe me, like I was geeked out to see Darwin Thompson play. I, I, I like what he did. Um, I thought he actually, you know, I, I actually do like, I know Maddie kind of said he kind of had to come uncover, but I actually saw him anticipate some stuff a little bit with the blocking too. But, um, I, I thought he actually had pretty good vision and all that. So, uh, Max Arkilla, is it just me or do the chiefs uh, or does the chiefs offense not seem in sync? Is the play call? Is it the play calling, or is it just simply they have not been fully healthy altogether for a while? All right, Max, we're answering a lot about the Chiefs' offense here uh, over the next like eight hundred questions. So <laughs> I'm going to try not to spend it all right here, but I assure you, we are going to touch on all this. I don't think the Chiefs' offense is in sync at all. I think there is zero rhythm. There's miscommunications left and right. Nothing about the offense is working at the level that we are used to from last year or even to start this year. I don't think the play calling has done them any favors. I don't think the injuries have done them any favors. And I don't think the interior offensive line play has done them any favors. I think those are your three biggest reasons. Their lack of ability to overcome that is a little concerning because it's been long enough now. But you have finally just got the first full game of kind of everyone being healthy. So you hope it starts to pick up from here. The play calling specifically though, Andy Reid has an incredible knack for taking, and momentum isn't a thing, but the Chiefs will pick up chunk plays. They will pick up, they'll have a couple good plays in a row or a big gain. Andy Reid has an incredible knack for trying to get cute when the Chiefs offense has the opposing defense on their heels. And all it takes is one player, Max Crosby, to identify the play or one random linebacker to crash down on the screen pass, and that kind of, the Raiders being on their heels, the Raiders feeling like they're playing catch-up, all of a sudden ended. That happened on three different occasions where the Chiefs just seemed to have everything working. They picked up one, two good plays in a row. Andy Reid came out with one of his cute, fun Andy Reid plays, and it didn't work, and that puts the Chiefs immediately in second and 10 or second and long, and that just feels like it zaps way too much of kind of the swagger the Chiefs offense has and they have a really hard time picking that back up this year. And I think part of it goes back to not being healthy with each other. Rough interior offensive line play, wide receiver play, all that and everything going on. Yeah, that's got to be a lot of it. The health, this is the first game that they've really been healthy for the entire game. It's hard to stay organized. It's start hard to stay in sync as an offense if you're constantly having to rotate guys and trying to fabricate guys with different skill sets into the offense and then on top of that it was windy it was a little brutal out there we got to see some missed throws that were uncharacteristic for for Mahomes not that he's been great lately or anything like that but it, it they were a little bit uncharacteristic for him so I do think that injuries are playing a huge part and getting this offense to sync up so you know everybody knock on wood wherever you are because knock on wood uh, if you're with me. knock on wood if you're with me don't get anybody else hurt because this offense needs to gel over these last four weeks yeah I think the health has played in into it like I, I everything has played into it and there's a lot of blame to go around for a lot of different things and 
I don't want to be like an excuse maker, but I just think there's a lot of little things that like are uncommon that have really happened to this group to that have just really just sapped any kind of flow or or identity to this offense. And it's it's they've got a they've got a lot of things to figure out here. They really do. Uh, let's go to Graver Tanner. Is Sammy Watkins known as the Lizard King and a solar being because he only likes the hot weather. He's been in hibernation since Jacksonville, Craig. Well, good for you guys. The Super Bowl's in Miami this year. Woo! <laughs> Let's go. Look at that optimism from a Craig Stout. Uh, Sammy Watkins has disappeared. He He's just flat out disappeared. I. It doesn't seem like he's getting separation. It doesn't seem like he's... He's open. He's losing concentration. He had that that little glimpse of something there in the middle of the season. I don't even remember what game it was now that he was hauling everything in one-handed. But he has not been the player that we saw in Jacksonville. He just looks like a player that's playing extremely tentative. And they need another guy to step up with all the injuries, another guy to get open to help Mahomes a little bit. The trust doesn't seem to be there anymore. I if there's any indication, Sammy Watkins is done here. This, this is just, it, it's it's over for me. I don't know if there's much else to say about Sammy Watkins at this point in time. I kind of feel like we're beating a dead horse here. He mm-hmm. is... A dead lizard? He's unreliable. The Chiefs coaching staff, Patrick Mahomes, have shown you that. His own play has shown you that. He can be really good when he feels healthy. When he everything's clicking, he can be really good. We just really haven't got that Sammy Watkins for about 10 weeks now. And even when we get it thin, it's sporadic. It's just he doesn't need to be your wide receiver two anymore. The problem is you don't have a wide receiver two to take his place. So he's being forced into that role, and he's really not taking advantage of it in any way, shape, or form. I'm ready to move on. I think most Chiefs fans are ready to move on, and I would be incredibly surprised if they did it this offseason. The the frustrating is thing is you see like plays like against the Chargers where he he looks explosive and has some bursts and is able to make two guys miss and 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 kind of shows some dynamic ability after the catch but like that's just never there like it's just it's so inconsistent with him and you don't know I I think Matt said it last week it's like on a play to play basis you don't know what you're getting out of Sammy Watkins and it does seem like Mahomes trusts him a little bit less. Uh, he did get three targets, which is more than McCole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson got combined. Uh, so, uh, and and we'll just jump into the the rest, the the, uh, the next question here about the receivers. Chiefs Lutz eleven. What's going on with the Chiefs receivers? Um, I mean, they're not good. I just outside of Tyreek Hill. <laughs> look, I it, you. Matt just talked about how you know Sammy Watkins can't be trusted as a two, wide receiver too, but the, the truth is there's no wide receiver too. McCole Hardman's a gadget player. That's what he is right now as a receiver. He is not. I mean, we we I feel like we say this every week. You are getting plays behind the line of scrimmage and vertical routes down the field, a post and a go. That's the majority of Sammy Watkins or of of McCole Hardman's production. Demarcus Robinson, I have like the chemistry that that him and Mahomes has. I mean, it only goes so far. They don't trust him. He hasn't been out there as much. Sammy Watkins, zero production, minimal production lately. 
there's no one to turn to. The Chiefs are going to have to make some investments at the receiver position, believe it or not. They have to have some more consistency outside of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. McCole uh, Hardman has a, a role next year. It's just not going to be as a a complete receiver. It's going to be much more of the same and maybe a little bit more wrinkled in. Maybe, maybe more sprinkled in there. The Chiefs wide receivers cannot beat man coverage even from average and very inconsistent cornerbacks. The Raiders played a lot of man coverage. That's what they've been doing coming into this. The Chiefs should have known it was coming. Whether we want to blame Andy Reid a little bit for not helping these guys get open, whether we want to blame Patrick Mahomes for not always seeing it if they do get open, or whatever it may be, the wide receivers do not do a good enough job getting open on time against man coverage. McCole Hardman cannot get off the line of scrimmage when he's being pressed. Sammy Watkins, his athletic ability seems to come and go on a snap-by-snap basis. Demarcus Robinson, I thought at the beginning of the year, was kind of putting it together. He was starting to be on time. He was starting to look like he understood the NFL. And then as the years got on, he's just the same guy. He just runs the space. And that doesn't work with man coverage because a defender is following you. It's like they can't beat man coverage. It's been a massive Achilles heel. You see it when the Chiefs need to make something happen. They aren't looking to run and force a player to make a defensive back to choose to cover Sammy Watkins or Tyree Kill and then throw to whoever's open. They would rather force Tyree Kill to be open or force Travis Kelsey to be open and take that decision away from the defense because they simply don't trust Sammy Watkins, McCole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson to be that guy. They don't trust him to get open. They don't even know if they trust him to catch the ball. It's pretty evident that there is a lack of trust. They just don't believe in them right now. You do have to shake that. These are the guys that are on your team. you got to get rid of that trust issue, at least for this year, and then, like Kent said, improve on it. But you got to play with these guys right now. You can't keep using Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson as decoy guys and then McCole Hardman only on these gimmick plays. Even if that's all they're good at, you got to try to treat them as real wide receivers so that other teams do at some point in time. Yeah, I, and I would just add this just to, to tie it to tag this at the end uh demarcus robinson at least made a play this week now it got it got nullified by the weakest hold ever but i he did make a play i felt like he looked good after the catch he's at least still out there he's still putting forth the effort it's just he his skill set isn't such that he's able to really separate and create that separation against man coverage the one time we did we saw pat trust him a little bit and he hit him for a touchdown that was called back so hopefully there's something there. Hopefully there's a little trust going between the two of them going forward. He's a very good blocker. I will say about DeMarcus Robinson. <laughs> oh, he's an he's excellent a blocker. very good yeah. blocker. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk a little bit about Andy Reid. And I got a couple of questions in here that kind of tied to Andy Reid. Nate CH, 479, our, our dear pal. When will Andy Reid call an actual route concept? Corey Peter also kind of asked similar, like one of the kind of theories we had is like, I have this small hope that Andy's been saving everything for this game. What are the chances of that? And I think he's talking about the Patriots game. I've been underwhelmed with Andy Reid. Maddie has been extremely underwhelmed with Andy Reid compared to all of us. Maddie, what are your thoughts on Andy Reid right now? I think that the Chiefs have rarely run the stuff, especially lately, that worked for them last year. I think the Chiefs are sprinkling in the concepts that worked for them well last year. Those deep over routes, the overloading zones and kind of the intermediate deep areas of the field, even the clear outs with the drags, the mesh concepts. I feel like they barely dived in or dabbled into that bag of tricks that they used last year. And when they do, it still works. For whatever reason, 
the Chiefs refuse to stay in that realm. They would they're right now. It seems like the entire offense is a home run ball or a check down. It's the 2017 Chiefs offense with Alex Smith. It's either a nine ball over the top to Tyree Kill or they're throwing a swing pass to a running back. That's all they do over and over again, and it's like feels like they're smashing their head into a wall. And I do hope that maybe they're saving something. Maybe there's a lack of trust with the interior offensive line to let longer developing routes go out. Maybe just without Tyree Kill being fully healthy, they haven't got everything working. But just the play calling to me is very, not even bland, just bad. I would be fine with bland play calling that just put multiple receivers between 10 and 20 yards, a 10-yard out, a 15-yard comeback. Those are gimme throws for Patrick Mahomes if you can get a guy open or a guy gets open. I need more of those five passes between five and 10 yards. Only five attempted passes for Patrick Mahomes in the intermediate area of this game. That's terrible, and I don't even think there were that many more to try based on what I saw without the coaches' film yet. They just weren't running very many routes into that area of the field. Yeah, that's definitely what happened. And just because Corey Peter said this, our good friend Therese Paler on the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles... Robinson has a segment called the Charles Conspiracy Corner. This is Craig's tinfoil tangent. (laughs) Andy Reid has the same exact weapons that he had in 2018. And he has Patrick Mahomes. Granted, not healthy this entire time and all that. There's a lot of shifting around. He's not calling things even remotely close to the same as he did in 2018. Is he shelving things? Because Andy Reid has routinely kind of petered out towards the end of the year on offense. We've seen playoff failures where they looked great on offense at the beginning of the year, and they kind of got figured out on on offense in the playoffs. Is Andy Reid shelving these concepts, knowing that he can go back to them, knowing that he's got these weapons and these plays still at his disposal? I don't necessarily agree with that, but it might explain some of the reasoning behind why it's so much different than what we saw last year. This is this is a similar offense. I don't understand why it's so starkly different when you've still got the same weapons, you've still got the MVP at quarterback. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And Nate, the Andy Reid's going to call an actual route concept when you and I both get to celebrate the defense playing well at the same time as the offense. Well, that's never going to happen. <laughs> I just I I think for me it's like and we've been we've been really deconstructing a lot of our thoughts about everything and I just watch last night and where's where's where, where like Andy Reid did not show a ton of personality and he he didn't really show like I I I think we are all kind of questioning what the identity of this offense is right now. What are the things that they're good at? What are the things that they're going to hang their hat on? Where are the places that they're going to try to attack? Because last last week it was we're going to attack the sidelines. We're going to run some of these corner routes. We're going to get Travis Kelsey isolated and, and and try to give him some opportunities. Like that was great. Like I mean obviously I think there was more success there, but Tyreek Hill no orbits, no jets. Very limited, um, you know, movement of Tyreek Hill. And I think, you know, I think that I think some of that 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 pre-snap shift in motion stuff is some of the stuff that helps get this group in rhythm. I think that they run a lot of their chunk plays with a lot of movement and action down the field, and I think that helps them kind of get the timing and the rhythm right. So they're not leaning on some of the motions and stuff, and maybe it's load management for Tyreek, and maybe we see more of that next week and he's just coming off the hamstring maybe that was part of it uh which would go back to the injuries 
But I just didn't see a lot of the things that you're typically used to. It looked like they were play calling a little bit scared. Some of the sprint out stuff. Why are they running? Why are they running Patrick Mahomes on a sprint out? He doesn't need sprint outs. He's a guy that can hit all the throws Alex Smith can on a sprint out from the pocket. Why are you restricting him to the sideline? Why are you working Patrick Mahomes to the sideline when he's one of the most creative playmakers out of structure in the history of the National Football League? He doesn't need all these. Do you trust the offensive line? Are you afraid of your offensive line? The RPOs. Everything was off off there too. Like I just I don't know. There's just a lot of little things in this offense that lack the same kind of rhythm and consistency and explosiveness that you're you're used to with this football team and I think that falls on Andy a little bit. I don't think the play calling has been up to snuff compared. Now Patrick Mahomes has bailed them out on some things. It looked like he was bailing himself out a little like he or he was bailing out pretty quick on some stuff that he wasn't seeing clear that that got covered well. I don't know. It just something something is not completely firing and hopefully this week with the with the with the Patriots and 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 the level of focus this game is going to entail um they'll be able to um you know kind of get things moving on in the right direction. Well, something Kit said there too, I wanted to kind of talk about. If you guys have an answer to this question, please add us on Twitter because I asked the question, I think, leading up to this podcast, and I think people took it a little bit more as a joke, but what is the Chiefs' offensive identity? Like, you can tell us what you think because I can't tell you what I think it is. I don't think the offense does anything consistently well right now. They don't attack downfield well. Now, defenses are trying to take it away. But the Chiefs have no answer when they start to do that. It seems like their entire concept on offense is to run these gimmicky plays and then let Patrick Mahomes bail them out on other times. The problem is these last two weeks, Patrick Mahomes has made some more questionable decisions in some of his worst throws in his NFL career despite looking healthier. And I think he's trying to force the ball because he's feeling frustrated and not quite understanding what their issue is right now either. So yeah, tell us what you think the offensive identity is, because I think they're missing one entirely, and I hope that the Chiefs are holding something back. I just don't know how you hold back so much basic stuff. I don't know how you hold back your entire offensive scheme or concept this deep into the season. I think you'd see more of it leak out, but I have my fingers crossed if that's the case. Okay, we got some offensive line questions. I'm going to burn through these. Graver Tanner, when we trade LDT to Cleveland in the offseason, what pick does Dorsey give up for him? It's going to be like nothing because I don't think anybody wants LDT right now. We'll get there. Take a can of peanuts. The ginger ill. Why in the world is Pat having to run around and make magic every play? What happened to the easy schemed up and completions? Uh, you'll have an idea of why we're talking. I think you know why we're talking about that question with this gr- with this bunch of ginger ill. We'll get there in a second. Darren D. Piggott is... Interior offensive line, a bigger need than we think. A better interior would protect Pat and improve the run game. Seems like a lot of interior pressure lately in games. The interior offensive line has regressed compared to last year. It is not good. LDT is not good anymore, guys. He has been unhealthy for the last two seasons. He is not worth the $9 million he is scheduled to earn next year. They can only save $5 million of that by cutting him, and this team is better by LDT not being on the field next year. He is bad. He is un- He's flat out bad now. Andrew Wiley has gotten worse. 
Andrew Ryder is not good either. And I wonder if since he is, you know, the line of connection between both sides of the offenses, some of the issues that we're having is LD or is Austin Ryder is not good either. If they made sweeping changes along the interior and got rid of three interior offensive linemen next year, I would not be stunned because this group is bad. And Patrick Mahomes does not trust them. I think some of the things that are happening right now with the sprint outs are a direct reflection of the lack of trust of the interior offensive line. I think Patrick Mahomes might be seeing ghosts, and those ghosts are the interior offensive linemen falling into him or are free rushing on the interior of the defensive line. I just, I, this, this offensive line, especially the interior, has some big issues. And I, I'm, I'm very worried about next week against a good front and a good scheme, an aggressive scheme in the New England Patriots because that that is a group that gave them fits last year when they were better. Does that count as a rant? No. Okay, thank you. I'm good. I'm glad. So I think the issues, I'm not big into investing in interior offensive line. I don't think you need great interior offensive linemen. I definitely don't think you need three great interior offensive linemen. The issue is when you have three guys that are all playing very poorly on your interior offensive line, especially in pass protection, it does become an issue. I don't know what happened between this year and last year where Andrew Wiley has clearly taken a step back. Maybe it's been moving sides. Maybe it was just who he was playing next to last year. I'm not sure where Austin Ryder has clearly taken a step back. Yes, he only played a couple games for the Chiefs last year at center, but he was still better than what he's been this year. And LDT might be worse than both of them this year. And that's saying a lot because he has been horrendous, especially since he's returned to the field. So you can't have three guys all playing this poorly with Eric Fisher still working back from injury. Don't get me wrong. Eric Fisher still did not look great, in my opinion, against the Raiders. He was walked back similarly to Cam Irving, similar that you've seen from Eric Fisher in the past where he just kind of lacks the power. And I think teams have figured out a general way to rush Patrick Mahomes. They take advantage of his pocket drifting. He still will drift backwards in the pocket. He will still roll out of a pocket anytime you start to put bodies around his feet. If the pocket's clean, he'll step up in it if you're rushing deep around the edges. But if those defensive ends work through your offensive tackles and they get people get shorts with this too – you push them back to that seven, eight yard mark. Patrick Mahomes doesn't like to step up in between that behind this interior offensive line. He'll drift back and then try to roll out of it. And as long as you don't get sealed on the inside, you can give chase. I think teams have a general rush plan on how to come after the Chiefs. I think Patrick Mahomes' lack of trust in his interior offensive line, their inept play to hold a clean pocket, and the way teams are rushing him have kind of resulted in this weird ebb and flow of what the Chiefs need to do, specifically Patrick Mahomes, to have success. If you can't step up in the pocket because the interior offensive line's bad, but the pass rush is just trying to force you to drop deeper and roll out, and they're ready for it, you're kind of stuck in a bad spot, and it is up to your coaching to help that. You've got to get more quick passes, more drags underneath, more mesh concepts, more slants. What happened to the slants the Chiefs did pretty good last year? All this stuff is gone now. That doesn't take a lot. You can have a bad interior offensive line and run some of the stuff, especially when teams are trying to protect the deep ball. There's stuff the coaching staff can do to help. But at the end of the day, this interior offensive line has been horrendous and they will need improvement. And that means a lot coming from me because, again, I don't like to invest in interior offensive line. Okay, I'm going to say this because I've talked enough about the offense for anybody listening to take. If they look awful against the New England Patriots – 
make a change. Steven Wisniewski, it's time. Uh, Cam Irving at guard, Ugh. it's time. Nick Allegretti, it's time. You've got the Broncos and the Bears coming up in consecutive weeks. They are depleted along their defensive lines, particularly on the interior. Those can be get-right games, gel games for an offensive line. Make some changes. Something's got to change if they look that bad again against the New England Patriots because they will get exposed like that in the playoffs. D. Johnson, 29. Will we see the Chiefs invest more in tight ends with Baltimore and Houston's success? Running 12 and more notably 13 personnel. I doubt it, frankly. that's just I, There's a lot of reasons that they run that. Um, they try to create personnel decisions for teams with Lamar Jackson and his running ability. Um, and I, it's part of their identity to run the football the way that they do. And that's never going to be the chiefs. And it shouldn't be with Patrick LeVon Mahomes as a quarterback. I don't know if you have anything else to add, Maddie. No, that was pretty much it. The Ravens do it because they design their entire offense around running the ball and giving the option to run or pass. I think Houston does it more out of necessity simply because their offensive line is even worse than the Chiefs. I mean, they have two quality tight ends, but if they could put a more athletic player on the field, I think they would do it. They would Deshaun Watson would rather have the field spread out a little bit more and have a better pass catcher out there. The Chiefs want to spread the field horizontally and vertically. You do that a lot better with another wide receiver than you would any amount of athletic tight end. Okay, let's ask this question. Wesley Peel, will the offense pull it together in full, Natty? Ask me again next week. I'm gonna I'm biting my tongue one more week to see what they do against the Patriots. I'm biting my tongue on the off chance they've been holding stuff back and it's finally gonna start coming together. We'll talk I mean I'm sure we will revisit the offense next week and I'll give my final answer there. But if it looks again like this, then I'm gonna be a little upset. You might get a, a rant Swanson type rant about at, from me Ooh. about this because it's been that bad. Please bring back the 2018 Chiefs offense or even parts of it this week, just so I don't have to go there. It it's happening. They're they're going to bring it back. I don't know if it'll be this week, but I do. They can't go into the playoffs play an offense at the way that they are right now and with the play calling the way that it is right now. A change will happen for one reason or another. I, I think by the time we get to January, you will see a more uh, cohesive and productive offense. I don't think Andy Reid's stupid. I believe in Andy Reid still. I I cannot put myself into believing that he is just completely changing uh, and ignoring the things that that he's had so much success with. So I, I think they pull it together. Um, but there's definitely some more concern than there's ever been. Simu7 asks, what is the best way to attack this pass defense? Well, Simu, we're going to be answering all of that uh, and more on the game preview edition later this week of the Arrowhead Pride, Li Pride, uh, Arrowhead Pride Laboratory. So be sure to listen to us later this week. We'll catch you later. Thanks for listening.